0: you <laughs> Good afternoon. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Come on in. Sit on down. Good to see all of you here on this beautiful afternoon on May 30th, 2023. Welcome to the JB Font channel. I am your host, James Fontleroy. So good to see you here with me today. The JB Font channel is available on all major podcast platforms, so subscribe to me there. Also part of Revolutionary Blackout Network, so you can find me on there as well on a weekly basis. Thank you so much to everybody for coming in. Uh, we have a great show for you today, so I cannot wait to get into it. But before we do that, I just like to say thank you to everyone who is in here, who are watching at the moment, and people who are pouring in, and people who are even on the rewatch. Uh, just to give you all a thank, a thanks to uh, all of you who are my patrons on Patreon as well as Coffee. For without you guys, I would not be able to do this. So thank you so very much. Uh, without you guys, I would not be able to do this at all. Thank you to the patrons on Patreon, Coffee, as well as members. Yes, I also do have membership. So thank you so very much for that. Also, if you would like to get notifications instead of relying on YouTube for the notifications, you guys can also go to my Substack. You guys go to jbfont.substack.com. You guys can get those email notifications so that you guys do not miss out on a stream on a daily basis. So now just to let you guys know what I'm gonna be talking about today. As per usual, I typically go to the comment, to the comments in the chat to say hello, but I'll go there a little bit later. One of the reasons why is because I have a great guest and I'll show you guys the thumbnail here. Chuck Modiano is coming on with me right now. And I am so excited to have him here introducing the journalist <laughs> and activist. So Chuck Modiano,
1: good to see you, Chuck. J- hey good to see you jb um, i really appreciate the invite and and having some time to talk let's let's talk
0: yeah definitely uh now you are a journalist you're a particular a sports journalist as well as you are a journalist on the ground that covers the movements that happen before our very eyes yeah how did you get into journalism and you know what what was it that sparked your interest as a young person
1: Well, I I don't think I got into it that young, right? I got into it a little bit later. And I would say the first time I started putting a mic in front of people's face, it was the GINA-6. I don't know how many people were called GINA-6 in uh, 2007. I was in Washington DC and I I drove, my wife and I drove 24 hours in a bus. Not, we didn't drive, we went in a bus with a a whole crew. And the GINA-6 were a bunch of young men who were being railroaded by the system in louisiana and i started interviewing you know people there and it, it was the first time i started interviewing people And i would say why are you out here today now understand it's 2007 cell phones don't really they're not what they are later on and so let me just fast forward when it really starts to take off i'm in dc and it, now trayvon martin um is being railroaded and we want to arrest george Zimmerman and their DC protests. And now I start going with a video camera and interviewing people. And I've always been interested and I say, I, it's very simple, why are you out here? Why did you come out here? And the reason I do that, whether I do that in Ferguson where it's Standing Rock, um, Charlottesville, uh, George Floyd, the reason I do that is because what media does is criminalize and demonize the protester. And I wanted to show, that's not what I saw when I went to protests, because I had gone to protests and I saw the most amazing people you could ever find. The most passionate people, the smartest, most intellectual people. And I say that um, who are privy to information that you don't get on corporate news that I would learn from. And I said, wow, I want to communicate what they're saying, what's going to be filtered before it hits CNN. And... That's what I do. And so I'm not really deep with it. I'm not like, I don't ask um, leading questions. Why did you come out here today, JB? Because I wanna know what motivated you to get off your couch into the street and the distance between your couch and the street is a very serious story.
0: Wow, man. You know, you ever hear the the phrase K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid? Yeah. And it's like, that's really just what it is, It's just simplicity. And, and simplicity, it just comes out in such marvelous ways. Like, for instance, um, as you all know, I'm a food lover. Look, I, I looked apart, right? <laughs> so some of the best meals are the simplest meals. And that's one thing that I was taught in culinary school. Best meals are simplest right? It could be just eggs, bacon, toast, eggs are eggs, toast is toast with butter, bacon, boom. And some for some people, that's the best, right? The thing is, is that it because it's so simple. That's why it's so enjoyable, or that's why it's so relevant. And the thing is, is that giving us such a simple question, and let people go, like, that is what I think is the best. And and I'm actually, I'm literally learning from you right now, which is great because it's like, a, I'm like in a class right now. And so I find that to be, you know, uh, I find that to be inspiring because I don't want to be like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, CBS. And I know you don't want to be. And just in the just, you're basically teaching (laughs) basic journalism, even to the big wigs, which I appreciate. So, yeah. Uh, One of my other questions is, what is, what makes you, what makes you the happiest when it comes to doing this work? Like, is it just finding out uh, the different perspectives of people what is it that, it, it, you know, what
1: was the trigger for you to get out there? I mean, the trigger is there's this in, these horrible injustice going on. And if you ask me the question in different years, I'll give you a different answer. When I spent months in Ferguson pushing a lot of my work to the side, and, and a lot of people will tell you the same, I truly believed at that time how, no matter how naive it sounds right now, that if just enough people knew what was really going on, not the CNN version, but enough people knew about this police oppression. And when I say people, white people, let's be honest, I'm talking about white people. And uh, the majority of black people know what the hell's going on. So if we just hit a tipping point of white people who knew the horrific police terror that is going on that it would make some significant change. This is me in 2014. I believe that. I no longer believe that. I believe after we know what's going on, after we see video after video, even after we see uh, George Floyd and we're taking a back turn since George Floyd and funding police departments even more, I no longer have that same optimism that said, if it's just a matter of awareness, It's not just a matter of awareness. It's so much deeper than that, but awareness is the prerequisite to justice. Awareness won't bring you justice. I used to think that. That's not true, but it's a prerequisite to justice. So I just wanna do that part and say, okay, if you know what's going on, if you saw George Floyd, if you saw Walter Scott, if you see the statistics and you know what's going on and you're still not trying to stop police terror, you're still not trying to defund these departments and reroute their resources, then you have a problem. You're the problem right now um, that you are knowingly supporting terror. So that's what awareness could do. And after that, you know, there's a lot more that needs to go on as far as activism, but it's one slice
0: but what do you think is going to be that 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 tender moment that that moment where the spark hits and an explosion happens uh you know socio politically what do you think is going to and, and, do, and do you think it's going to happen within the next five ten years or do you think it's going to take longer what been, do you think
1: i mean i've been wrong about it i thought uh, uh, Ferguson was going to do that. I thought George Floyd is going to do that. Now, there's a historian part of me and activists will talk to each other and say, well, look at the civil rights movement from 1955, from 1954 and Brown versus Board of Education, the 65 and the Civil Rights Act and all of the different events that happened during that time that these things don't happen like one event or two events. It's a sustained approach. You're going to have backlashes to, to the progress um, and it's going to go back and forth. And those are the vicissitudes of fighting and activism. You have to be in for the long haul. And I, I get that. I say that. I preach that. I tell people the Montgomery bus boycott lasted a, a year and 15 days. And if anyone gave up before a year and just said, we gave it our best shot, then it wouldn't have moved forward. So we have a history that we have to draw on to not be so demoralized, right? We have to do that. So it, it, it's not good to look at it as one event or another event, but to be in for the long haul. But I will say this, yeah. because it's so demoralizing of not seeing the change that you expect to see, and particularly after this George Floyd that we're sliding backwards, right? It's so demoralizing. There are these moments that keep you going that you have to hold on to. And I had a moment this week. And mm-hmm. this week, this past week, And it usually comes from a family. This is what sustains me when there's no political movement. I had a family member say, you know what, and I've had this a lot, through your coverage, I got to know what was going on and thank you so much and giving me a hug and wouldn't let go. Well, my daughter was arrested and no one knew what was going on. I was looking at your feed. I was looking at your updates. Thank you for interviewing my daughter afterwards. Thank you for letting me know what's going on with my daughter. And if you get enough of those, and I got a lot of them, whether from participants themselves, say, thank you for, for giving us a voice. No one else will give us a voice. Those things sustain you. They may not be like the institutional change that we want, but it's something, right? It's something that, that, that says, you know what? I know I'm doing the right thing. We ain't there yet. We're not even close to there. But I'm going to keep doing it. And you know what? If all we got this past week is that, that's enough. You know, like, like that's something. You're making the people's lives in that movement um, more worthwhile. You're making them feel heard. So that's something to sustain you while you try to go for the macro change.
0: Okay. that. Thank you for that. Because I, I honestly sometimes wonder when will we reach our limit? And sometimes I'm like, is it going to be just extremely slow and gradual? But then I remember talking to Noah Krachevik, from uh, mm-hmm. the Western Marx, And one of the things he said was, there's a quote where they says, a lot of progress will happen over a long period of time. And then sometimes it, a huge amount of progress can happen in one week. Yeah. And so I guess I'm still just like waiting for that one week. But it's like, I have to be comfortable with the slow, su- slow sustain change. But we also have to be the people that continuously push. Right? Yeah. And so I feel like I have to be more patient in my head. While still also being impatient enough to push, does
1: that, yeah. make, sense?
0: Does that make any sense? I, I don't no, know it, it makes
1: it make no, it makes it makes total sense. And you're constantly having to recalibrate your expectations. Listen, yes. I know I know this happened to you. It's happened to me, and it's happened to every activist who's ever lived. You go through these almost near bouts of depression, almost where you're like, "My God, like yeah. what do we gotta do to wake this world up?" Right, like. You saw this video. This is not okay. This is whether it's Derek Chauvin. And I don't mean just Derek Chauvin going to jail. And I don't mean the three officers who are watching him go to jail, which they should. And that's a very tiny win. But if that happens and you have three officers there and you have Mike Freeman, the D.A., who, remember, was trying to protect Derek Chauvin that first week until the uprising happened. That means you have an entire rotten, disgusting, corrupt criminal culture that says it's okay. And if you don't recognize that culture, you don't fight about that culture, that goes far beyond Derek Chauvin. And you don't try to remove the money that's subsidizing that culture, well then we have a problem and it gets depressing when other people don't see it. So there's this constant recalibration of what you're trying to do and what your expectations are. So I've lowered, my expectations to, you know what, if it doesn't create the big change, I know I did right by those protesters. I know I did right by those protesters' families that are not being heard. And that has to be enough because otherwise you'll bang your head against the wall, you'll go up in a a hole, you'll get depressed. I've been depressed, you've been depressed, we've all been depressed. And you just have to lower the expectations to a human level and anything you get beyond that is our bigger wins.
0: Yeah. I was thinking, as you were explaining, I was thinking of an analogy that I can think about it as, and it's like, it's like trying to crack a rock, but everybody has a little hammer and everybody has a little chisel. And as you go to it, you go and you put that hammer and that chisel in and then you take one hit and everybody comes in and takes another hit. Boom, boom, boom. You may not have chipped off that much, but if a thousand people all came behind one another, that is a thousand chips that yeah. you know it takes off that boulder. And I think that boulder is the system, but then there'll be that one person that takes that one good chip and then a huge piece comes off. And so I think that is what, I think we're both kind of, you know, circling around as far yeah. as this explanation goes, and so that's why I feel like we should have hope. And I think that part of it is in what we cover and how we cover it as well.
1: Yeah. Can I can I offer some somewhat hopeful things that came out of 2020 that maybe everybody sure, please, forgot? Please, please do. Okay. <laughs> There is there are positive things that came out of that. Okay. Now, that's before Biden was elected and became a national sedative, which is actually what happened. But before that, we saw colleges across the country kicking police off of their campuses. They they had police contracts and they said, We don't want to have you as a contract anymore. And that was going on all across the country. We saw three or four localities start to defund the police. I think there was Seattle, they were rerouting to, to the homeless. Um, there was Austin, there was another. There were, It was happening in these little pockets. It was moving in that direction. I don't know the status right now. We even saw a state Colorado say, the governor, we're gonna get rid of qualified immunity. And not, not the biggest thing in the world, but, but it's something. Progress was going in that direction. And it didn't happen through a legislative vote. It didn't happen through a, a, a Congress. It happened through a governor saying that. And these things were happening because of protesters, not through any elected process, through the protesters. And we saw these pockets of change. And then I want to add one other thing, which I think is huge now, even though we don't see it. Particularly shout out to my D.C. family and protesters. Change the conversation from reform to defund. That defunding the police, removing resources from police, abolishing police, whatever you want to call it, police abolition, has been an idea that has been stuck in the prison of academia, that has been stuck in the prison of activist circles. You know, Angela Davis has been talking about it for decades now. Others have. And it never got mainstream. And what happened is the DC protesters mainstreamed it overnight when they wrote Black Lives Matter equal defund the police. And it was in such big letters. And I was there out there the night that that happened. It was in such huge letters. The media, the CNNs, your MSNBC, they could not ignore it because we had these shots from over above. And if you looked at media overnight, You started hearing about defund the police, the Overton window changed. Now we can actually discuss it and not be seen as a crazy person. Like you can do that. You have scholars who've been talking about it, and now we can have reasonable discussions. And you even have pockets of people even running on. And that could only happen from those protesters. Those protesters mainstreamed it. So when there comes a day, I don't know when that day will be. It could be twenty sixty. 20, Chuck, I don't know. It could be dead. You and I could be dead. But when it comes a day that really defunding the police in a significant way, or abolishing the police, Chuck. becomes a reality, we're going to point to June twenty twenty when they shifted the overturn window.
0: Yeah, I think I think your mic went out for a second. Hello. Yeah, I can I can hear you, but it's kind of low.
1: Oh, I'm sorry about that. Did you hear me or was my voice out, going out?
0: No, it it just, it went down severely. Um,
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I was just giving credit to those protesters. They mainstreamed Mm -hmm. the police. They shifted the Overton window and they brought it into discourse and you're not marginalized as you're uh, 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 over here in the corner, that you're not rational. Now we can have a rational discussion. What scholars have been talking about for a long time, that the way to stop police is to remove their resources and give their resources yeah. to other individuals who are skilled in these areas when over 80% of all police calls are not even about violent crime to begin with. So we could talk about that now and those activists did that. The activists took what the academics were saying for years and main mainstreamed that. and that continues now. So when there comes a time in 2050 or 2070 when we're dead or whatever, Where it becomes a reality, we could point to the summer of 2020 and those activists. Mm -hmm.
0: So, uh, Chuck, can is there any way you can unplug and then plug it back in really quick? Um,
1: Okay, am I still low?
0: Um.
1: Hey, what about
0: now? Hold on, one second. Mm -hmm. Okay, now. I can't hear you now. Am
1: I okay now? Yeah. Okay. When factor. I was speaking before, it was very low.
0: Yeah, it was very low. Yeah.
1: Okay. Sorry about okay. that. I think we're back now.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Uh, I lost you now. Mm-hmm. Let me see,
1: let me try that again. Yeah. 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 Sorry
0: about that. Uh, is now you hear me now? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm just letting. I'm just getting the confirmation from everybody in the chat. Yeah, everybody's saying it's pretty much fixed now. So I think we're good. Darn that plan obsolescence. (laughs) Okay, now I can't hear you. Uh oh. You're muted.
1: Tech issues. I think we're probably good now.
0: Okay, now you're good. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Sorry about that.
0: No, no, it's all good. As I was just saying, plan obsolescence is a pain in the a pain in the neck, you know. So these companies yeah. companies don't make things that work as long and as well as they should. But but okay. yeah. So um, you were you were talking about you know the the onset of protests that really makes the change as far mm-hmm. as what you know, uh, the national conversation is, you were talking about, you know, regarding defund the police, yeah. yeah. which I have, you know, for me, it was it was a transformation to hear more about police abolition and the way that we know it. So it actually helped me a lot to understand how the carceral system actually works.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know what? And I, I think we have to approach it, you know, the, the best way. A lot of people find it so unreasonable but they don't find unreasonable that white supremacists are on the street and murdering people. Like That's not unreasonable to them. And I, I don't get that. But what is reasonable to me, and, I, and the number of people, abolitionists take this approach, um, is instead of, st- everyone starts the conversation with, what about the murderers? What about the rapists? Right? Everyone starts, and that's the wrong way to start it. You start the conversation with, what about all the calls that have nothing to do with violent crime? which is like, depending where, over 80% of calls. Why can't we remove all those calls to specialists who get paid like half the price, who don't retire at 50, don't have million dollar pensions, and are twice or three times as qualified and won't murder you in the process. So if it's a mental health call, have a mental health specialist, have more school counselors who could work on de-escalation. Have people who are trained at de-escalation not incentivized for escalation and if you do that and you have the conversations not of violent crime but the vast majority of police calls that have nothing to do with violent crime then we could talk uh more freely so there's no reason anyone shouldn't be on board with say cutting the police departments in half overnight and using those resources in other ways. I mean, if they're not bought off by the police union which every politician is, but you get my point. The point is intellectually, intellectually it is a rational conversation that people have made irrational when they're the irrational ones for supporting terror.
0: Well, I mean, if we're going to look at it, you know, let's be more data driven when we come to, when we look at these things. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you know, some people, you know, cite data, but their thing is they'll cite inaccurately. Like, for instance, people want to talk about 13% of the population commit 50% of the crimes, when in reality, it's like, okay, if that's the case, then why do we, you know, Black people have the highest exoneration rates?
1: Right, 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 right. Um, that's true. And I, again, I like to talk about you know crime lasts and so much of that crime is preventable right if if you're giving people their basic needs so you don't give people their basic needs and 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 crime elevates but well, we have to question the the as many people do you know that even police solve crime and stop crime because we see they don't when they have huge police forces it, it's not having an impact either way what police do is serve themselves they serve their own budget and i would argue create crime because they starve other resources they remove other resources that are more preventive of crime um so you know when i'm uh, covering mcpherson square in dc and they're getting all, rid of all of the uh, unhoused in the tents in dc well i see a bigger problem here um and i see the criminals as the police who are getting rid of them so yeah. i mean i'd like to see more housing i'd like to see uh, so many more basic needs, more healthcare. Those are the conversations we need to have.
0: Yeah, definitely. And one of the things I, I wanted to ask you um, was that we're trying to keep this in the conversation, in the interest, so to speak. Yeah. And it's no surprise that people know that I'm on the left. I don't want to speak for you, you know, but the thing is that what have, what you see that, could be better as far as our communication on the left when it comes to these issues of policing, housing, education, um, foreign policy. What improvements do you think that you see that we could make?
1: I mean, all of the above. are, Are you talking about messaging, communication, or the issues themselves?
0: Messaging, communication, as well as coming together instead of having a constant infighting and especially see this with the online yeah. left, especially.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you mention that because I've been feeling like an island the last year. Many people have been a little bit um, because there's so many, you know, people arguing with each other. And a lot of times I'm going to be honest. I see a lot of people going back and forth and I like the work both of them do. Right. I like, I like the work and I and You know, I don't really want to pick a side because I like the work you do here. I like the work you do here. We're all flawed. I'm flawed. I've tweeted some stuff from two, three years ago. Hell, maybe even six months ago. I'm like, why did I even say that dumb shit? You know, like we make mistakes, and I think we have to understand that we make mistakes or that we evolve. And and how do we um, deal with that? So, like, I'm a little bit old school, right, in activism, and and I say old school in the sense that. If I have a problem with someone who I respect their body of work, I'm going to DM them. I'm going to call them up. I'm going to get them on the phone. Hey, listen, man, I know you've done good work. I know you've done great work. And we're not going to agree on everything. But on this particular one, I, I, I do vehemently disagree. I want to tell you why. And let, let you know, do what you want with it. right? You have these calls. And I think part of um, what has happened where so many of the divisions are brought online is those steps are skipped. I'm not going to act like like activists never argued in the past, and that's never existed. That's always existed, mm-hmm. but but I think part of going online, certain um, steps are skipped, and when steps are skipped, it is much harder for me to have a conversation when everyone else is jumping in at the same time. Now you're kind of flexing for other people rather than you know trying to resolve an issue. So the the I've seen it with activists, like like even in DC covering George Floyd, there would be two organizations that would be arguing with each other. And I'm like, nobody outside of DC n- knows any of this. Everyone here is DC Black Lives Matter to everyone outside of DC. Nobody knows all the different organizations. So you always have that going on. And then it's reached podcast level. So now we have like 457 different leftist uh, uh, groups and who you're with and who you're not with. Um, so I'm not saying my way is, is the right way. I'm just telling you what I do. I like to do stuff behind the scenes. And I'd like to see a little bit more of those steps before we go bam online. That's just how I feel about it personally. Because if someone does good work, we have to respect the body of work, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I feel. I, I, I vehemently disagree with everyone all the time. That's going to happen. But is your body of work good? And if your body of work is good, then, then let me judge you on that, not whatever the, the 10% we may vehemently disagree.
0: Of course. What about the, the messaging as far as the left? Uh, what do you think that we could do better?
1: Um, so I, I say this as a reformed liberal. I'm a reformed liberal, right? There's no argument a liberal could make that I haven't already previously argued on in terms of pragmatism and how do we move forward and we have to take some steps instead of nothing. You know, I know all those arguments. Again, this is my personal view. Like, uh, there are a lot of liberals who could be more leftist, for lack of a better word, or, or we could bring along if we didn't always call them stupid idiots. All right. Because in many ways, I try to change my language. It, I, it's easy, right? It's maddening. Sometimes you'll just, trust me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty, right? Um, it's maddening sometimes because, you know, you see the same behavior over and over. But I always have to remind myself, I was that person. So am I going to shun yeah. who I used to be? I'm who, who I used to be. I can't shun who I used to be. I got to try to bring people along. If they're close, and I can't necessarily call them an idiot, because they may have real fears. Like a lot of times, intellectually they're with you, but but they have some real fears, which you know makes them beholden to a guy like a Joe Biden, who has horrible policies and whatnot. Um, so I think for me, it's being able to try to communicate, and not everyone's an idiot. Now we have to separate those who are trying in good faith. I always try to do this and it's very hard, but who's who is who's a good faith disagreer and who's a bad faith disagreer? And if they're bad faith, I got no time for them. I just got no time for it because you're not even trying to find truth. But there are a segment of people who are legitimately trying to find the truth and they're just misguided. And that group, I mean, you got to uh, bring along because do I want to be part of a group of leftists that are right about all this and right about that, But we're like talking to ourselves all the time. I'm tired of talking to people who who, who think like me. I, I wanna bring, I wanna grow, you know? We, we have to grow, we have to grow. Um, and as an anti-war activist, I've been looking at the same 200 people for for, for 10 years now. I'm tired of looking at the same 200 <laughs> people. H- how, do, how do we grow, right? You know, what, what do you do? And, and I could say that for a number of issues. And part of the reason is, we can't call everyone an idiot. We just can't call everyone an idiot because they're not getting it. That's that's just me. but you know some people disagree with that, but whatever.
0: Yeah I go back to and I love when he said this and you know may he rest in peace, Michael Brooks. Yeah. And Michael Brooks said, be kind to others but be ruthless to systems and institutions. Yes. I think that goes a far way. Now, with you know dishonest actors, it's just like you know what ain't got time for you. I'm gonna move into a different direction. Mm-hmm. But it's one thing, and, and I've said this in private conversations to friends uh, who are who are in this space, and I've said they're not my enemy. Racism, homophobia, transphobia, misogyny. Um, you know this, this uh, um, uh, Western supremacy. These things are my enemy. Capitalism is my enemy. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I'm going to fight this to change the system so that people are better off. You may have people that are speed bumps along the way, but they're just speed bumps because they're propaganda. They're brainwashed into being speed bumps. Right. So I could either, you know, just move them out of the way and say, you know what, I'm going to keep going forward. Or I could teach them in a kind way and say, look, this is what I think you're getting wrong. And then I'll teach them and plant seeds in their mind. But if they still don't get it, then I'm going to let you sit with that for a while. Yeah. And I'm going to keep moving in my direction. I agree. Because, Because I think that if I have the correct idea, I'm going to eventually, it's going to come to fruition that I have the correct idea. Yeah. So.
1: No, I I agree with that. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to to mobilize. And we can learn a lot from right-wingers as far as strategy goes, right? They're far ahead. Yeah, I, I, you know, forget their ideas because basically, uh, the right wing in this country' main idea is how do we keep this country white, and everything is essentially built around that that form of white supremacy in one way or another, right? And, and so, but they have, but they're fighting for something. I mean, they're fighting to keep this country white, and by any means necessary. And the problem is, you know, when, when we're talking about, or you know, how we view the left, or I, I want to separate maybe leftists from liberals in the Democratic Party, Sure, they're not fighting for anything instead of not being as bad as Trump or not being as bad as DeSantis or not being as bad as that bad Republican. They're fighting for nothing. And the reason we have gone right um, and, and gone white over the last 40 years is because when you fight for nothing, the, the scale will keep going the other way. So we have to stay on the issues. We got to stay on Medicare for all, we, on human rights, on being anti-war, um, on, on against police terror. We have to fight for these and uh, uh, for housing for all. For, for college tuition for all. These are ideas, right? These are policies, right? So we gotta stay on these policies and focus on these policies that are grounded in human rights. So you have one that is grounded in white supremacy and the other is grounded on human rights. We have to stay focused on those. And um, and we don't do that. Um, and I don't know who, when I say we, let's just say that the two parties, there is a right-wing party and a more right-wing party. And, um, they are much better at at moving that direction because they fight for something. So I don't believe you could ever win anything if your political um, paradigm is we're not as bad as them. No.
0: Absolutely. I you know I think this is why a lot of us would say, well, if you're a if you're a liberal, you're still right wing. But a lot of liberals will be like, no, we believe in all these things. And I'm like, yeah,
1: that's the floor. Um, that's the floor. But here's the thing. It's, yeah, that's the floor. But if if, if liberals define by following the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. it's not that you believe in those things. You don't believe in those things. Because if Joe Biden takes Josh Hawley's amendment to put 100,000 more police on the street, mm-hmm. then you're actually not... Against police terror. So, like, like we gotta fight your. Bi- I always say Trump's bigotry is in his words, Biden's bigotry is in his budget. You gotta do a little bit of work. Yes!
0: I, I gotta run, I gotta go. This is. <laughs> 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 Ooh, that, look, I'm gonna I'm
1: clip yeah. that one. <laughs> clip it, clip it. I say it all the time. Uh, Trump's bigotry is in his words, Biden's bigotry is in his budget. So, you gotta do a little work. Why are you increasing the ICE budget? Why? Why are you increasing the police budget? Why? Why are you increasing the military budget? Why? All forms of white supremacy, by the way. All forms of white supremacy. Why were you for pro-mass incarceration in the 80s, even to the right of Reagan? Why? Why is every policy, when you've ever been in power, to go to the right of the most right Republican? Why? You got to look at the fine print, and the fine print is that he's a hardcore right winger, but he yeah. talks and he says something different?
0: Yeah, uh, and you know, and uh, you know, looking back at history, um, you know, especially in uh, in 1920s and 1930s, Italy and Germany, you know, who was the one that was standing to the sky while the fascists faster- actually came through? You know, a lot of it was the liberals and, and even some of the yep. social gems, they stood to the side. They were like, eh, well, you know, we don't really want to we don't really want to bother nobody. We don't want to tip the apple cart And a lot. of yeah, people yeah, yeah. Like, Tip the apple cart because they're going to kill us all. And so now we're just like, you see. So we're trying to prevent that because if you keep standing to the side and just allowing them, then it. Is going to end up in winding up getting a lot of us killed. And so that's what I see. And, but it it also comes with speaking to them in a way that doesn't cause them to shut down. Right. Because if we speak to them in a way where they become defensive, they're not going to hear what we're saying. And so we have to treat liberals like we treat MAGA we have to put things in a way where they will understand. Some won't, in fact, a few won't. But even if we could take the argument and maneuver it in such a way where they can understand, maybe they may not pick it up, but the people around them may pick up some little nuggets and it may grow in their head, you know?
1: Sure, so let me go back to an earlier question of how we could articulate things. So when I'm in leftist circles, you know, everyone talks about, you know, rightfully so capitalism owning both parties. And I hear this all the time when we say, well, it's two of the exact same parties and you're going to lose a lot of liberals that way because there are some differences, but there are 90s some percent the same. But I don't I think the equation has to be articulated a little differently. Mm-hmm. You're not voting Republican Democrat. You're voting Republican Democrat versus Democrat, and plus the loss of resistance. And and that's the big part. Meaning, there's some things that when Trump was doing, we were in the streets by the thousands. I was videotaping them by the thousands. Just that Trump did it. Kids in cages, Muslim ban, his rhetoric around police, what he talked about, people came out, and people fought back. And the second Biden got elected, All of a sudden, those same people, and I'm speaking mostly of white liberals, they went to sleep. They took a nap. So my thing was Trump versus Biden. My thing was Trump versus Biden plus a loss of resistance. So if Biden says something like we're going to have 100,000 more police on the street, there's not a peep. There ain't no one in the streets. No one's fighting back. If Biden increases the ICE budget it's not—and or keeps Title 42 that was implemented by Stephen Miller and Donald Trump, Well, we hate Stephen Miller. We understand intrinsically Stephen Miller's a white supremacist. We get that. We're gonna go in the street. But when Biden kept Title 42, there's no resistance. Now it's okay. Okay? So everything Biden did that was and does that is Trumpian. Now gets a pass where maybe Trump couldn't even get away with some of the stuff Biden gets away with. So for me, it's not Democrat versus Republican. It's Republican versus Democrat plus the loss of a resistance and fighting of a movement. Because at the end of the day, Democrats will never, ever, ever fight against whoever their figurehead is. No matter what they do, no matter how right-wing they are, no matter how anti-human rights they are, no matter how many people they incarcerate, no matter how many bombs they drop, no matter how many police they put on the street, as long as there's a D before that name, they will say, it's okay because they're not as bad as Trump. And there's something psychotic in that thinking, something very wrong in that thinking, so wrong that you could actually say, Biden doesn't even need to be primary. You, so, you don't have a pragmatic excuse anymore of we have two choices. You don't even want to primary him, Bernie Sanders. So, I got a problem with that.
0: You know what? This is a tale as old as time. Because who passed NAFTA? It was Clinton that passed NAFTA, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: Clinton was able to do things that Reagan was like, oh, that's too hot. I can't touch it. Right?
1: Yeah. R- that's right. Was
0: the one that signed the 94 crime
1: bill. Reagan didn't, budget. Reagan didn't do that, Clinton did that. I want to go, I want to go six years um, deeper than that. The worst crime bill of all the crime bills was actually 1986. And the 1986 crime bill was far worse than 94. 94 was terrible, the Biden bill and Clinton, but Biden's worst work was 1986. He had presidential aspirations. And what Reagan wanted to stop the crack cocaine disparity at 20 to one, which is already wild and nuts. Biden pushed for that disparity to be 100 to 1. Meaning if you had a piece of equal, a bag of sugar that you get there, or you got a huge Domino's two pound bag, that cocaine versus crack, those two sizes would become equivalent when one was in powder. And Biden fought for that. And Biden fought for the five year mandatory minimum sentences just on possession, not Distribution, possession of crack. And we have all the video of him saying this, right? And Biden went to the right of Republicans on mass incarceration, including Reagan, including Strom Thurmond. And we have to understand that because we warned about this. And now he's doing the same thing again with policing now that he's president now. That we're supposed to get a warmer Uncle Joe. um, and, And that never happened. And we warned about it. Because Biden's way has always been, if I go to the right of the Republican, if I'm harder, then the Republican that could take that issue away. In other words, black people are just pawns. People, People's lives being destroyed through mass incarceration or bombs abroad. It doesn't matter as long as I could stay in power. That's Joe Biden for you. And he gets away with it because we allow him.
0: Yeah, because we allow it. That's a really good point. You know, and speaking of the allowance uh, of what these politicians are doing, speaking of President Biden, Uh, Mm -hmm. I have a question for you, and this is more of a situational question that I ask a lot of people. So Chuck, you're now president of the United States. It is your inauguration. Yeah. What are three policies that you're going to do that you're going to enact within your first 100 days?
1: I'll go more than three. I'm, I'm going ham on executive orders. Go ahead. I'm going ham on executive orders. Medicare for all, tuition for all, um, anything. And and when you say something like this, invariably, there's going to be a, a, a Democrat, someone from the Democratic Party in my timeline saying, don't you understand the Constitution? Are you an idiot? Do you not understand how the law works? That's going to be contested in court, and you may not get away with it, which may or may not be true, right? But what Trump did is he didn't care. He changed the national conversation. He, you, you, There are two types of power. There's power of policy and there's power of rhetoric. And Trump was a master in using his rhetoric. He changed the Overton in window of what we talk about and what we didn't. Every time he tweeted some craziness, every time he put some executive order, that would probably, many that would invariably be shot down later he made the news networks talk about what he wanted to talk about. And by changing the national conversation, you're changing the culture in America. And by changing the culture in America, you're being able to change future legislation, whether you got that piece of legislation in now or not. So all of these banning books, all of these laws we're seeing locally, all around the country wouldn't have been possible uh, a few years ago but Trump's rhetoric did it. Trump we don't need Trump. He's replicated himself. He's cloned himself. He's changed the white supremacist culture so that everyone in his party could go much farther now than they could before he arrived. So when you have a rhetorical um, power, Biden will never use the rhetorical power and Biden apologists will say, "Well, it's not going to work. It doesn't matter if it works or it doesn't work. You're going to change the conversation, change the culture, and we'll change the law later." And and if you don't understand that, then you don't know how movements happen.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that that was a great point. I mean because, I mean help, Bernie didn't even ascend to the White House and he changed the conversation. Yep.
1: You know, yep.
0: I mean, uh, I you know putting aside my extreme disappointment and respect mm-hmm. for him, I mean he did change the conversation from 2016 onward. Well, 2015 onward.
1: Yeah, he did. He absolutely did more in loss than almost any other uh, Democrat. I mean, you don't have to win to change the. Um, conversation. Barry Goldwater, who lost in nineteen sixty-four to Lyndon Johnson, was one of the most influential politicians in history because he 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 started the new Southern strategy, new iteration. He went straight white supremacist on everything, and everything that came after him, that movement that came after him, the Nixon and the Southern strategy, and everything we see today, and the Reagans, all Len, are rooted in Barry Goldwater. So I always ask myself this question: They say. Well, Bernie would have won, or what I think he actually he would have, and I think fifteen of the twenty Democratic candidates would have in an anti-Trump vote in, in at a time where COVID he was being blamed for COVID. I don't think Biden gets that moment back again. But here's what I'm saying: What if Bernie lost? What if Bernie went guns blazing and Medicare for all and 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 still lost? I think you would have the movement, very similar to Barry Goldwater in 1964, continue to carry on many of those ideas that he went scorched earth on, and that I'm not the believer that, that if you lose going scorched earth, You could change the future. You would see a lot of things change locally because all those coalitions that he built, they would change locally. That's what we see with Republicans, right? When Republicans lose, they're still changing locally. When Obama um, became president, all of a sudden the Tea Party grows and they're changing everything locally. When um, Biden becomes president, all of a sudden all these Republicans are changing locally and having fascist laws. Why doesn't that happen with a Republicans president? Why do why don't you see Democrats changing things locally? But you don't have that movement going on. So I believe you go guns blazing, whether you win or whether you lose, and even if you lose, you might win in the long run.
0: True, true. Um, you know, I just don't have faith in the Democratic Party anymore.
1: No, um, neither do I. <laughs> now, I'm, at
0: I'm the, just I'm looking at the people I'm running, I'm just like, really? This yeah. is your guy. this is your gal. All right. You know, that's how I feel. You know, and that's I don't, how I, I, don't I don't I don't have faith anymore.
1: I have no faith. I have no faith in a party that would come to the conclusion. We don't even need the primary Joe Biden. I mean, how do you even come to that conclusion? Like how corrupt must you be to come to that conclusion?
0: Well, there's some people who still think that you can just take it over. And I'm like that 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 project has been tried and that project has failed yes so why are we continuing to try that you know yeah we learned we learned i I go back to i'm not sure if you got to catch that episode uh, of savvy stops on her show she had Mm -hmm. dnc fraud lawsuit attorneys on her show where they actually were in the courtroom where the dnc lawyer actually argued that they do not need or have to or even want to actually go by the will of the people. They're a private organization. Yeah. So I want to get this through not only to people who who side with the Democrats, but also the Republicans, too, because if the DNC is like this, then surely enough the RNC is just like this, too. Yeah. And I live in a state. Where they went overwhelmingly for Trump, but they also passed the fifteen dollars minimum wage. It's
1: like, remind me know, what state you live in? Remind me what state you live in? Florida. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah. to be honest with you, when you put the 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 plight of people in their hands when it comes to policy, they're gonna go like Beyonce said to the left, to the left. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. And right. They do that. But the problem is, is that, you know, you have these politicians that, you know, I hate to say it, you know, some people may get mad at me for this, but being on the right is actually good for corporations. It just is. So therefore they're gonna go to the right every single time because that's what the politicians, that's how, that's who they they acclimate themselves to.
1: Right, right, right. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I think the I mean, there's so many game changers, but I think the two biggest seismic game changers of the last 30 years is, is one is the Supreme Court decision of um, Citizens United. The, yeah. you know, of making corporations people because now it's so much harder to get together and fight them because they're just these billionaires are so rich and they're buying politicians right and left and locally they're doing it locally that's what we, we spend so much time on national politics stuff is really moving locally right and yeah. they buy local politicians and so that's happening and then the one before that which is gets a lot less attention but it's the 1996 telecommunications act and that allowed media consolidation And prior to that, you were able to, you had to have a cap, say, on 40 radio stations you could own. You couldn't order more than that. You couldn't own 1,000 or 2,000. And and that lifting the caps. Under Clinton, by the way, what happened is, Is um now you know all media is in the hands of five corporations where it used to be spread out. It killed black radio overnight. It killed um news. It killed sports media. It killed in many ways. It killed music as well. People don't realize that as well because music you'd have these pockets that would. Come up in these local communities, and the local DJs would um, bring it to light. And now you have some person in the middle of America hitting a button to play the same top forty. It killed so much, um, and but it's not talked about. And why would it be? Because the corporations that benefited from it are not going to talk about. It.
0: Of course, uh, I think it was also Buckley versus Vallejo that was also mm-hmm. a big part of. Uh, that was also a big part of corporations being able to you know, dominate the, the political space as well So, Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so one of my final questions to you is, uh, I have two questions. One of them is a fun question and one is more of a serious question. But the fun question yeah. I wanted to ask is, what is one food that Ch- that Chuck Modi cannot live without?
1: That's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, one food. I mean, it's probably not good. But I'm, I'm a burger guy, and, and I probably shouldn't have burgers because of my blood pressure. Um, but, you know, I, I can't lay off. I will, you know, I want to go vegan. Like, like, philosophically, I feel it's a more moral position to take, but my body is not aligned with my morality just yet. So I'm working on it. I'll let you know when that happens. However, I will say this, though the way they're making some of these foods nowadays like versus say 10 15 years ago like they're able to make these vegan foods now that almost taste like the real thing so i mean it's it's pretty incredible and you're like wow this isn't chicken wow this isn't beef so you know maybe that'll be the way um, yeah. i'll go but yeah i'm 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 pretty i'm pretty plain you know i still like a a good, a good hamburger i don't yeah i'm i'm pretty plain in my eating habits Yeah,
0: look, I I love a good burger. I I always get my medium and, uh, uh, you know, uh, lettuce, tomatoes, onions, Mm a little bit of mayo and some ketchup. Mm -hmm. I'm good for the most part and a good bun, you know. But uh, also my final question is in the future, you have lived a very long and good life what is the final thought that you want people to have about you when you pass on?
1: I was working for the people. You know, I was just working for the people, trying to amplify the people. Um, that's all. I used to say I want to be a voice for the voiceless, but I changed it a few years ago. I want to amplify the unheard. That's what I want to do because no one's voiceless. They have votes. We're just not listening, right? They're not voiceless. We're just not listening. Mm -hmm. And I want to amplify their voices. They don't need me to be a translator or anything like that. If you go into the street and you go into the protest, you will meet some of those brilliant, passionate people you could ever imagine. And I can't tell you how much along the way um, protesters have changed me. They've changed me. Because I'd be like, i never heard about that. Really? And I'll go home and I'll go in through a Google rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, my God. That's right. I remember like 21 days into Biden, I remember he had a 100-day moratorium on um, deportations. And 21 days in, I I saw a group, um, DocuBlack, they were in the street saying, Biden, stop deporting Haitians under Title 42. I'm like, wait a second. I, I saw on TV that he had a moratorium on deportations. What's this Title 42? They were in there. This was like, he's not even a month old and they were in the street. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that, tell me more. So they start speaking into the mic, I go home and I do research. And I could tell you a lot of my research of what I learned is, is straight from activists, because if you talk to a lot of activists, they know the most, they've studied the most of these niche issues that you can't find on TV. And I'll be like, I'll, I'll do my own research afterwards. I'm like, oh my God, how did I not know about this? You're right. So you know, a lot of times the protesters have changed me, as much as anything, with information that I would not have been privy to. So it's it's really an honor to be quite honest with you to be able to go in the street and cover them. So, yeah, he amplified the unheard.
0: Wow, that is beautiful. I actually really respect that, and I thank you for that one.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, Chuck, I just want to say we're basically at the end. Uh, this went no, up- no, 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 JP. I'm throwing the question back at you. I'm throwing the question back at oh, you. What do you what 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 do you want to summarize your life?
0: I got it. I want people to say that he left the world better than he found it. I'll take that, of course. yeah, that's my that's one of my mottos. I always say at the end of my stream just leave the world better than you found it. Even That's if it. you don't change somebody's life in a drastic way, even in small little ways, if you help change somebody's life, you've improved them overall. Uh, it could be a smile when you walk by. It could be kind words. It could be reaching out to somebody in a text message saying, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. I just wanted to know, let you know that I'm thinking about you and that I miss you. Things like that. You know, um, one of the things I think that is very important, and we talk about this a lot, is things like mutual aid, and it doesn't have to be monetary. Mutual aid could also be something, you know, you know, like um, I heard that you were going through this particular subject, I researched this for you, here's some information on that subject, you know? It could be so many different things, but the thing is, is that showing people that they matter and that you care and that we're all one at the end of the day. Um, I think that's what matters, and I think that's what I try to do, even in my small little ways. I'm not, yeah, yeah. At it, but I try to improve every single day.
1: I like that, and I like that so much. I'm going to come full circle and close, going back to your original question about activism and how do we have perspective. Sure. So we're trying to score touchdowns, and when we don't score a touchdown, we get demoralized, we get angry, we get depressed. We didn't score the touchdown. But instead of having that paradigm, how about the activism of football fields? And we just got to push a few yards down in the other direction and be happy that the next one's going to score the touchdown. That's all we can do.
0: Man, see, this is why you need to come back on. (laughs)
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. And we'll talk about journals, exactly, some more. Let's do it.
0: Definitely. And, and where can they find you,
1: uh, Chuck? Um, you know, nowadays um, I, I tweet at Chuck Modi one but I've been a little uh, um, light lately. Um, mm-hmm. into the, in the NBA playoffs, you know, a lot of people aren't into sports. But um, I'm doing that. I write a that's been haven't written in a while, but I may pick up the sports writing uh, soon. And then I, I do a sports radio show on WPFW every Thursday morning, 10 a.m., where sports and politics collide. I do a radio show with um, Dave Zirin and Atan Thomas, and we talk about sports, politics, and justice.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Chuck, for coming on. It was a pleasure. It was a privilege. I appreciate you coming on. You're agreeing to come on my little channel. So uh, thank you JB,
1: any time. Appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. Yes, (laughs) sir. Thank you so much. All right. All right. right. Bye-bye. You got it. Peace.
0: Okay. All right, everybody. Woo, that was a great conversation, was it not? So, man, there was so many good points that he made, and I appreciate. And the thing is, is that one of the things I want people to realize is that the people who I bring on, I'm not going to agree with 100%. You're never going to agree 100% with everybody. But the thing is, is that there's so many overlapping things that we can agree on, and we're really all just pushing for a more equal, equitable and egalitarian society. And because of that, I have respect for the work that he does. And I love the fact that he actually talked about your body of work speaks for you. And so that's one thing I want to speak for me is my body of work. And I'm trying to do better, especially as how I treat others in this space it can get tough because then you can be influenced by others, you know, to be a certain way or speak a certain way, you know, and just because you're telling the truth, you can disagree without being disagreeable. You know what I mean? And so I'm trying to do what the late Michael Brooks said, be kind to others, but be ruthless to institutions. I hate capitalism. I hate misogyny and misogynoir. I hate racism. I hate white supremacy. I hate homophobia. I hate transphobia. I hate all these things. But at the same time, I'm going to be kind to the people who have been brainwashed into perpetuating these things so that I can help pull them out of it. You know what I'm saying? So. That's what I am trying to do, is trying to help people to pull them out of this type of thinking so that they realize we're all connected. Because, look, think about this way. Every single person you have ever known, loved, and hated are part of the same stuff that you are made of from this one planet. It's like Carl Sagan's uh poet uh I guess it's a poem of the pale blue dot. Every single person you ever loved or hated existed on this one tiny little pale blue dot in the vast sea of space. Which means we're all connected in one way shape or another. When you hurt I hurt when you have joy, I have joy. It is incumbent upon me to make sure that number one, you have joy. Number two, you do not encroach upon the rights of others. Because true freedom does not encroach upon other people's rights. So yeah, Um, that's one of the things that I wanted to say. Now, uh, I'm going to go to the chat really quick because I know there's a lot of people who's been in the chat. Y'all been active as hell, but I just wanted to talk about that. Now, we have CBC voter in the chat saying, glad to see you again, JB. Thank you so much. Good Lord. I've been I've been exhausted. I don't know what it was today, but I was exhausted. But you know what's interesting? Having that, that conversation with Chuck actually... Help me to feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit more energized now. Plus, you guys are amazing, and I appreciate you guys. The Jam Moms in here saying, back at it again. Yes, back at it again. All right. Cobra Commander coming in with some love saying, JB, good to see you, Cobra Commander. Yipper99 says, hand pink waving. Good to see you. Mouse up in the chat saying, sup, friends. Sup, Mouse. Good to see you. Call the commander says, I've been to many demonstrations. The only issue I've ever, the only issue I ever had was never competing politically parties, but folks who still think the cops are there to protect us or something along those lines. I got you. All right. We have Wadi coming in saying, hey everybody, good to see you. Pachico, who is also a JB member, says, Yay, JB! Yay, Pachico. All right. Sebastiano coming in with volcanos. We have Jessica Mai saying hi. Glad there's a live one. It was calm my <laughs> it will calm my anxiety. Oh, I need a company. Jessica, we are with you and never never forget that you're not alone. Also remember this, Jessica. You matter even when you don't agree. Think about it love you. All right. We have quantum alchemist saying, hi, feeling like absolute crap. I'm very sorry. Slept 16 hours, feeling totally tired, like I'm 90 or so agitated and angry. Woke up to double standards, loud noise by my neighbors again. Ooh, I'm sorry. You know, I was feeling like crap today too. I, and you know, I felt like I was 65 you feel like you're 90 so i'm sorry but i'm glad you're here with us and i'm glad that you are watching and among us and you know whatever you're going through as far as that feeling goes i hope it goes away quickly you know but even if it doesn't i'm glad that you're still with us no matter what. Uh, And I hope that tomorrow is a lot better because, you know, when you feel better, I'll feel better. Jessica Mai says something interesting. Full moon is June 3rd. Maybe we're riding the wave up. No, no. You know, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, that can't be the reason. I don't know. Oh, it might be scientific reason behind it because, I mean, there's many different vibrations that we probably haven't tuned into as human beings on this planet. I mean, science is telling us new information day by day. I mean, just look at the James Webb telescope that is looking out into outer space. You know, they're looking at it through different, you know, know, infrared waves now and seeing things that they thought were the truth scientifically, but then they're just like, gobsmack now they're looking at the universe in the beginning of the universe and is seeing things that are completely different so i mean maybe just maybe there are certain different conditions within our solar system that also have a bearing vibrationally on how we develop in the womb and how we are mentally and things like that i mean we do know that the waves of the sea and many different you know things within our planet are actually governed by the magnetic fields and the gravitational forces of the moon. So you never know. But the thing is, we're always learning scientifically and science will eventually back certain things up that maybe we have been suspecting for a while now. Or not. <laughs> Who knows? Reality of evolution is also in the chat. is also a JD member saying afternoon all. Oh, good to see you. All right. Media Dreams asked a really interesting question. I wanted to answer this. Media Dreams, thank you so much for the super chat. Media Dreams asks, guys, why is the left becoming more anti-LGBTQ? This is a deep question. Um, I don't necessarily see the left becoming more anti-LGBTQ. I think there's a couple things. I think some of the people on the left that are anti-LGBTQ, I think they're brainwashed into thinking those thoughts, number one. Number two, I think the ones that are brainwashed into thinking anti-LGBTQ ideologies are the loudest in the room. They may not be the majority in the room, but they're just really loud. And so there's a lot of people that are being manipulated into looking at other disenfranchised groups and saying, there's some of the reasons for our problems. Black people, it was black people that were the reason for a lot of our problems. Uh, I talked about the Chinese Exclusion Act a couple of weeks ago that was the onset of the Chinese people are taking all of our jobs. So the Chinese Exclusion Act was, was enacted. Then for instance, look what happened, uh, in during the second world war, right? Remember what happened, you know, when Pearl Harbor, then they wanted to blame that on all Japanese people. So they put in Japanese internment camps, right? Then on top of it, then you also had, you know, um, black people again then it was muslims right remember 9 11. then it became you know immigrants from our southern border again even if they were from they could have been from mexico they put it from nicaragua guatemala venezuela it didn't matter they were still classified as mexican even though they weren't people need to pick up a book and read and then they were blaming them now it's trans people And so there's always going to be that demon they're always going to be labeled that demon when in reality the people that we should be looking at are the people who own our government that's who we should be looking at the people who run the big banks people who run the central banks people who run the biggest corporations in our world the people who are owners of Blackstone, Blackrock, Vanguard, those who we we should be looking at. But they'll tell other people who are within our class, oh, no, it's, it's these people who are marginalized that are the problem. And so, unfortunately, some people on the left are also falling for that. I hate to say it, but some are. And it pains me because I don't want to see that happen. But ultimately, I want to be kind to them and help them gear themselves into open their eyes and go, yeah, no. And then some of them will harp on, well, look at this example. Look at that example. And I'm like, number one, do you have the full context for the example? And number two, even if you do have the full context of the example, do you want to paint all these people with a broad brush in this particular way? I'm a black man. I'm also a gay man and I'm also a disabled man. I and I'm also a man. I don't not want to be painted with a broad brush for the sins of some people within my community. And I don't want that to be for other people as well. I do not want one mistake or one bad drag queen to be plastered against all you know to be uh vilified i don't want all drag queens to be vilified for one bad drag queens either mistake or or transgression just like i don't want one black person who did something wrong to be mistaken for it see what i mean so that's the thing and so that's why i don't think the left is becoming more anti-lgbtq i just think that there are some who are the loudest in the room, and some of them are being brainwashed by the people at the top. That's what I think. I may get attacked for it. And if I do, I do. But that's honestly what I think. I think you have to come at it from a class analysis, honestly. The Tory Lee coming in saying, J.E.B., good to see you. All right. Sakudo says Yo J B grilled or raw onions. Both, but not on the same burger. One will have grilled. Oh, and mushrooms. Yes, I love my fungus. Put some grilled onions and mushrooms on a burger with some Swiss cheese. Woo! Mm. Maybe I should have that for dinner. Lord Lord. You know, I like to eat. Baba Yaga Forest Dweller says, "Uh uh-oh, it's Modi. (laughs) Yeah, Chuck was on. So good to see. All right. All right. So let's go to some more (laughs) chats. All right. Bill Bradley says the hypothesis phase existed before before science was a thing. Thank you so very much. All right. Hensteeth says, good to see you, Hensteeth. That's why I don't speak very often. I have very limited energy. Yeah, I have to be selective with my energy. There's times where even after dialysis, people will be like, you know, they want to talk. And I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like talking. And the thing is, I used to feel bad about it because I used to feel like, oh, man, JB, you know you know they they want to talk but thing is i learned that sometimes i have to keep my sentences very short to the point while still being respectful you know what i mean so that's why um you guys are really chatting in here um Let me see. Bad cookies says uh, science isn't hard. Science is all ideas that are tested until proven truth, and those truths can change. Very true. Very true. Sorry, guys. I'm going through... I'm going up in in the comment. Oh, old man Barker. Where's the... ha! <laughs> where's the hat? <laughs> no, that was my brother's hat. I just, you know... You know, I, yeah, it's not for me. I'm not a hat wearer. If anybody, you know, uh, if anybody notices, I don't really wear hats. I'm not a big thing. Who's Daniel Bis- Bisogno? He's hopalized and might die. Please pray for him, please. Who Who's Daniel Bisogno? I, I have no idea. Huh. Whoever it is, I hope they come. I hope they pull through. But who who knows? Yeah, I know it's like to be in the hospital. So uh, I don't know. But yeah, so um, just to let you guys know. Um, So RBN got a copyright. They got a they got a strike on YouTube. So you won't see RBN live today so that's unfortunate. Um, and so, um, you know, be sure to, I think, I think Arbian will be back doing live streams Friday, maybe. So hopefully fingers crossed. Yeah. It'll just be, you know, once that seven days is up, um, so, yeah, that sucks uh, because there are certain things that you can't talk about on YouTube, even though uh, it's being backed by scientists. If you know what I mean. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's just bad on his face. But, um, you know, if you guys would like to also, you know, I think there's some clips that came out that I think they're allowing through. So go ahead and yes, go ahead and support that. also, um, I was supposed to have on, um, I was supposed to have on Kit Cabello from Heartland's Media. Um, I had something came up on Saturday, so I wasn't able to, but, uh, I'm going to be having him on this weekend at 3 p.m. Eastern. So I can't wait to do that. Also this evening, uh, I will also be, I don't know if I, yeah, I think I, 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 Yeah, this was mentioned last week but i'm also doing a course a marxism course on midwestern marx institute so i'll be doing i'll be on their class tonight today is the second week so it's a 10 week course uh on marxism so i'll be doing that so i can learn more about marx so i'm excited about that as well so i can't wait to get into that um i also got to look into i'm trying to look into um who I'm going to be having on next week? You know, I have a calendar for these things, and I'm just like, you know what, JB, you really need a calendar. You need to get, you need to get more organized. So, thankfully, I am actually more organized. So, <clears throat> um, I will be ah, you see, uh, the so next week is the sixth. Is this week the sixth? The hell already. Good lord, yeah. Okay. So the sixth, I'm going to have on Kamal Franklin from Black Power Media. Uh, He's going to be here same time, 2 p.m. Eastern. So that's gonna be a very good interview. I cannot wait to have a conversation on his uh, evolution and how he came to be the Kamal Franklin that we know. So I cannot wait. That's gonna be a very interesting conversation. However, for now, I will make sure to also put up the clips because I I didn't last week because it was basically just one subject. But be sure to tune in. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone for being in. Uh, Oh, by the way, I also got to check on Rockfin because I know. Is there anybody on Rockfin? All right, we got one watcher. Good to see all of you on Rockfin as well. Now, uh, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. If you guys would like to, you guys can go and subscribe to my Substack, so you guys can get email notifications. jbfont@substack.com, so you guys can be notified instead of relying on YouTube, because you guys can just go by me. Why not? You know. Also, thank you so much to the patrons on Patreon, coffee as well as members. Thank you so much to all of you. Without you guys, I would not be able to do this work because <laughs> it's been a lot and I'll be getting back to the reading of Masada Shakur's autobiography as well as laziness does not exist by Dr. Devon price. Um, I've been exhausted from that trip. Jet lag and dialysis does not mix. So I got to get into that, but yeah. And so yeah, everybody look, like I said to Chuck, you know, what I always say at the end of streams, water your plants, water yourselves. You know what I'm saying? Leave the world better than you found it. And even if it's something small in improving somebody's world, you did leave somebody's world better. It could be a smile, it could be just letting them know that they matter. You could be saving a life. That's very important. Um Look, smoke them if you got them. Drink them if you got them. If you don't got them, watch something funny. Watch something that's hilarious because joy is revolutionary. All right. I know y'all been waiting for it because I've been looking sexy lately. Forehead kisses. Mwah. Forehead kisses. Mwah. Forehead kisses. Yo, yo. You didn't know I'm going to do it three times. You know I got you. Because it's all about love, baby. Stay lovely, folks. Stay classy. And take time to get butt nigger. Consensually. I know some of y'all nasty.